Hello and welcome to episode 44 of the Feckin' Check-In. I'm Trainer, and with me is my co-host Toomey. I can't say as always now, because for one episode, you weren't there. That was the last episode. We'll get to that. But now we're back to normal. It's episode 44. How are you doing this evening, Toomey? I am very good. Working from home today and finished up a while ago. And I am feeling good. How are you? I'm also feeling good. Uh, As we briefly talked about before we went on air we've both moved into new work situations so i'm a bit tired from that uh, in general but other than that i'm feeling quite well thank you great and i should also mention that i am now a father yes you are a father i was about to get I am to now a father and my son ben is uh, just over six weeks old and uh, myself and my wife love him very much and <laughs> that's uh, all i've got to say about the matter <laughs> Sorry, I'm not laughing at, at that. It's just funny to hear you saying that. Uh, but brilliant. I never know. People ask me, uh, how are you feeling and stuff, and I have no idea how to describe it. It's not one of those things you can like distill into a few sentences yeah. like in work. But people want you to, though. But they do, uh, yeah. They do. <laughs> Summarize fatherhood in three sentences <laughs> that I can walk away with and be satisfied with by, yes. based on how my own you, standards. Yeah, how are you finding it without going into too much detail but not going into that much detail or, yeah, does that make ap- sense appearing adequately loving no, in no way cold and <laughs> <laughs> ticking every box that I've decided yeah. needs to be ticked yeah obviously life changing uh, <laughs> no it is genuinely life changing <laughs> and it's amazing uh, loving it um, and it changes your whole perspective on the world uh, but I um, I won't bore the listener because the listener is not connected to my personal story with having a baby because to the listener who doesn't know me it's a very probably normal thing yeah, yeah. okay yeah all right well look that was nicely summarized the t- thank you yeah, my my standards of summary uh, uh, sh- shout so- out to my baby ben my son <laughs> when he listens back okay. to this in 18 years and cringes it, it'll be funny though because as another listener mark uh, fr- an old friend of mine said not mark o'connor not mark cullen uh, we really kind of captured the uh, zeitgeist of the pandemic and we have it recorded in audio format so maybe that's ben actually, will want to listen to that when he's that's like, actually uh, true 15 years old <laughs> <laughs> that's actually when we started the open us podcast uh well we started the feckin check-in at the start of the pandemic the open us was oh, a bit before that oh, i was before that was it yeah so oh, fe- i i thought the pandemic actually looking back on it now i thought that derailed open us because open us we were supposed to be trying something new every week but then the pandemic it did sort of happened and then we couldn't try the new things it did derail open us but so we started the feckin check-in in march 2020 i'm actually going to check it might be the two-year anniversary of the feckin oh my, check-in oh my god no sorry uh april 2020 we started the feckin check-in i always think it was march um so next there you month go, yeah. is, the, is the special uh, and we can bring back the characters so john groats <laughs> the um, ones that nobody liked or or got on board with i liked <laughs> two of them stick up stick up a chino in there somewhere yeah so yeah. nearly two years now um excuse me Very anyway good. yeah so do you want to lead us out or i forget the format oh, it's been two months the, since we did it yeah this is the feckin check-in this is the podcast about funny observations entertainment culture and kernel of truth so trainer for the last uh, period of time will you lead us out for your funny observation for the last period of time <laughs> this is getting so fucking cumbersome 
Um, I think it's what I did, and it would be remiss of me not to mention that we had a guest house last time, so I'll just mention that quickly in a second. But what I found when I was on the thing with Eric was, because you weren't there to do that bit, I just kept referring to the episode number instead of period of time or month or week, because you can't say those terms anymore because we don't do it regularly. So I just said for episode yes. 43, blah, blah, blah. So this is 44, so we can use that if we get lost. Okay, we have that as but, a crutch. Uh, yeah, so how did it feel listening to, before we go into funny observations, listening to the feckin' check-in and not being on it for the first ever time? Well, I was grateful uh, that Eric um, could step into my size 11 shoes and walk around in them. <laughs> uh, but obviously I had, I had a lot going on um, at the time with becoming a father and stuff. Uh, so I, I uh, just had a quick listen to it, but I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was really good. And the, Eric was coming up with some topics that were um, very similar to the ones that we were coming up with. So that was good to to see that he understood the the concept of the show and was able to bring up some really funny anecdotes. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think so as well. It's it's not anyone you choose to step into those size elevens, but I thought he would uh, he'd be well able for the job uh, just based on just interacting with him over the last year or so. So um, yeah, it was odd for me as well actually doing it without you. Uh, it's very much. Yeah something that we bounce off each other in and that's what people like as well i think so it was unusual mm. to do with somebody else but i thought he was a good replacement um yes i did miss having the familiarity of our regular setup thank you very much and <laughs> <laughs> well he did a great job but um i'm back now <laughs> basically i'm back it was always my show, Eric. It was never <laughs> yours. It was only yours for a period of time. It's sort of a Batman type of thing there. Um, Batman, no, seriously, thanks, Vince Eric. McMahon kind of, uh, yeah. Okay, so, okay, let's move ahead. Uh, funny observations. Um, I have a, a, an odd one. Uh, I was on the dart recently. A lot of my stories are about being on the dart or the bus, I've noticed, but I get the mm, dart. Yeah, they are, actually. A lot, and um, or the train even might might not be in the dart. So the dart is a train. If you're not listening from Ireland, um, Dublin area rapid transit, and um, mm. do you ever see these dart security dart security guards? <laughs> People love to say that on the Dublin area rapid transit. You, Sorry, come on, especially come on. the word transit because you don't get a, an opportunity to say that very often. Yes, <laughs> makes you sound educated and knowledgeable. Correct. Correct. Uh, go on. So, so these dart security men, have you seen them? Have you seen this? Oh, yeah, and their high-vis jackets. Yeah, so yeah. I was on the dart there recently, and there was two of them, and they had their back turned to the entire carriage, and they were facing <laughs> the end of the carriage, not looking at anything that was taking place in the carriage. And yeah. one of them was actually watching Netflix on his phone while having his yeah. back turned to the entire carriage. And I was thinking, like... In the job interview for this, is this like something that came up? Like uh, you're gonna you're gonna have to have your back turned to the entire carriage. You don't interact in any way with the dart passengers. Who feel free to watch uh, an entire series of Cobra Kai on uh, on your phone, and that's your job. And like also like the whole thing is on CCTV as well. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of bizarre if you, if you can imagine it in a in a shop or a store for our American listeners. <clears throat> Um, uh, yeah like if you can imagine a security guard just with his back to the store the the, the floor like in in the corner it's like it's essentially it'd be essentially like if you're standing outside Tesco you know the way they have like the security guards except if you walked up to Tesco and the security guard wasn't looking at you had his back turned to you was watching shit on his phone 
and <laughs> wasn't paying in any way any attention to who came and went from the shop. Uh, That's a better image than my one. My, my <laughs> one was just a turd in the hamper there. You, you saved it there with a much more uh, graphic and yeah. interesting image. But yeah, we're that, a bit rusty, bizarre. but it's all right. Yeah, we're a bit rusty. Great. Okay. Yeah, that's that is funny. It's a funny observation. That's funny. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Another one uh, is so uh, we were in the train station, and I like to sometimes if there's a long oh, way. You're, for you're a train, on the train again with these anecdotes. The you're on the train. You're off the train. You're on the way to the bus. Uh, so exactly. Go on. Go on. This is my life. This is what I do. Get trains. Um, so. If there's a, like maybe a wait of like 10 to 15 minutes for the train, um, I usually go and I get something from the vending machine, often just to kill time, but also to, I don't know, get a bar of chocolate. And like, I, I don't know if you notice or have noticed this, but it's a type of shite pedantic <laughs> stuff that I notice. Um, for the last 20 years, there has been in Pierce Street train station and in Connolly station, uh, the ones where they have the vending machines, there's a selection of bars in the vending machines that pretty much haven't changed. And... There's a dairy milk variant, the Golden Crisp, which is steadfastly available in vending machines in Connolly Station and Pierce Street, and has been since circa at least 2002, and has never changed any of the other dairy milk variants. For example, your regular dairy milk, your whole nut, your caramello, your mint crisp, your tiffin. Never the get a look crisp. in. Sorry. The Golden Crisp is always there, but always none there. of the other variants ever get a look in, and no other bars of a similar nature. And I was just thinking... Who conducted the market research to determine that the Golden Crisp is the one that should be prominently available in all the vending machines? Just the Golden the, Crisp. At the expense of all the other dairy milk variants, which are now, very popular. It has, it has the regular dairy milk, because that was what you said, just if, if I'm no, it's, no, no, the regular dairy milk isn't there. So the Golden isn't Crisp there? is there. No, so you're talking about the eight square dairy milk oh my, variants. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. But it's always, always, always been the Golden Crisp. <laughs> an executive, who, someone made an executive decision. Oh, no, they want the Golden Crisp. No, want the regular <laughs> Golden Crisp. But, but I assume it was based on some sort of research or some sort of popularity like ages ago. But like the fact that this hasn't changed. I'm like, I, I noticed this because I always go to these vending machines and it's always there. And I'm like, I, I want a fucking whole nut. And, and I want a fruit this, and nut. This is in multiple train stations. It's just it's, the Golden Crisp. Yeah, it's in the Dublin-based train stations on the dart line who have vending machines uh, and that's bizarre i challenge the listener to go out to a dublin-based dart station that has a vending machine and find an eight square dairy milk variant that isn't the golden crisp if you can i will take back everything i've said <laughs> crisps all the way i would have thought whole nut would have been the more generic popular dairy milk variant just that chocolate with a bit of nuts in it yeah, whole, whole nut would be my favourite and my go-to. And if I'm in a, like a shop, I'll go and get a whole nut. But um, or maybe sometimes a regular dairy milk. But like, uh, I don't know. I don't understand. I like golden crisps. I don't want one every time I go to the fucking vending machine in Pear Street or Conley or other Dublin-based dart stations that have vending machines. But hmm. what they all exclusively now they have other bars as well. They have like a Lion Bar, Coffee Crisp, <laughs> your Nestle bars, uh, some Mars. Uh, Everything else is well. normal apart from yeah. the, from the golden crisp. But the Golden Crisp is just there, stubbornly uh, there. I wonder, t- even is the Mint Crisp, because some people like that minty chocolate thing. I, I'm no not mint a big crisp. fan of it. But no I, mint would, crisp I would imagine that's the third most popular uh, dairy milk bar. I don't have the figures in front of me here. But I <laughs> no might. one does. Um, <laughs> anyway, yes. Okay, anyway, yes, that is bizarre. Uh, has you any um, other um, 
comments to add on that. That's all I have. It's just like <laughs> it's it's um, it's quite, it's mildly irritating, which is what these F's are for, really. Um, and it's just there, and it's always there, and I can't understand why it's never changed, and it it really hasn't. Like it's never ever changed in at least twenty years. Um, we've had the same same gold golden crisp uh, dairy milk variant. I have some stats here that are not really relevant. <laughs> Okay. But I, I've looked them up and I feel compelled now to share them. Would Please that be do. okay? Yeah. So the dairy milk is the most popular chocolate bar in the world, according to candyindustry.com. The second most popular chocolate bar in the whole world is the Mars bar. Mm. And the third most this is a bit of a strange one, the third most popular chocolate bar is Tony's chocolate bar. Never heard of it. The fourth most is uh, Cadbury's uh, dairy, you know, Cadbury dairy milk. That's another dairy milk variant that should have been in there. Because What's uh, the difference between the top bar and the fourth one? Uh, hold on, I've lost it here. Uh, <coughs> play some intermission music there. <laughs> that's, a, that's a sneering a sneering intermission I'm sneering at the listener here uh, so um, what was your question again sorry you said that dairy milk was the most popular but then the fourth one was Cadbury's dairy milk but sure they're the same thing excuse me uh, <laughs> Cadbury caramilk caramilk <laughs> I only have the top four by the way there's something wrong with my the way it's coming up on my phone here um, alright <clears throat> but no. the Cadbury dairy milk is the in, is the t- most searched bar in 78 countries. Uh, Mars Bar, the most searched bar <laughs> in 50 countries. This is Google searches. Uh, Tony's Chocolate Bar goes down to 10, and then the Caramilk goes down to 10 countries as well. Very good, very good. Okay, um, see, the, th- the thing is that these eight square dairy milks are really exclusive to Ireland. You don't get mm. them, even in the United Kingdom. You get a different kind of longer dairy milk variant, which tastes different as well, because it's not made with the Irish milk. Uh, so I really quite enjoy these bars, and I wish there was some variation in the vending machine stockists, uh, but there isn't. Anyway, uh, We will tweet we this out, at Inroad Aaron, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. on Twitter, <laughs> and ask them what's going on. Actually, just have I will. Crisps in all of their vending machines. Yes. Although it's probably best, best to tweet the vending machine company. I'll have to find out who it is. Uh, can we get them cancelled? <laughs> can our I'm listeners sure can. harass them and, and cancel them? We can dig tie up something. something. Lack of diversity or something. We can dig up something from one of their pasts where like, <laughs> they called a woman a bitch or something like that. 1982, someone uh, wrote something on a piece of paper in 1982. and uh, We're going to dig that up and cancel it. Excellent. Great. Cancel, oh. cancel the vendors. Um, cancel them. Final, final funny observation for me is uh, the pronunciation of the second month of the year. How do you pronounce it? Go. Oh, uh, February. Feb. So you say that again. February. Because <laughs> I'm conscious. <laughs> I know what you're getting out here. So I have sort of blurred it into February. So you don't know if I'm I'm leaving in the R or not. So so I, I mentioned to you before off air that I moved into a new role in work and a lot of it's to do with like organizing and planning and um, budgeting and stuff. And um, because it was the second month of the year last month, that word got, got mentioned quite a lot. And uh, I've noticed that I kind of say February 
and I definitely leave in the R. And I feel uncomfortable saying it, but I've almost doubled down on my pronunciation of it over the years in order to make sure that I pronounce that R, which I think isn't supposed to be silent. But I noticed a, a wide variety of uh, pronunciation of that month uh, from February, ignoring the R entirely, February, like me, <laughs> emphasizing the R, February, like it's F E B R Y. February, like skipping past it so that nobody notices you said it. February. It's like people who don't really know how to pronounce it. It's like, and and it's the same in January and February. Okay, grand. Oh um, yeah. And then February, which seems to be, uh, or maybe I've already said that. Uh, that seems to be, or February, 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 February. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and the correct one is probably one of the rarest. Uh, yeah. Pronunciations of it. There's a, there's a good I think in the. Um, Miss uh, American Pie, the Don McLean song, that he definitely says February made me shiver, but I'm not sure how he pronounces it. Actually, it'd be interesting to go and listen to that because he says the word slowly. Um, but yeah, I just noticed that. A, a well, we could definitely get him cancelled. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if that's funny. <laughs> Sorry, him and, the, him and the Golden Crisp Brigade. <laughs> Yeah, go on. Sorry, you had a final. Did you see Dom? There? Did you see Dom McLean? He's going out with like a twenty-five-year-old, uh, and he's like seventy-five or eighty or something. Wow. Yeah, uh, and apparently wow. they really love each other. All this shit. Um, wow. They've been going out for years, but he's also a millionaire. Uh, so you know, absolutely, just that. completely normal. Or I think he's married to her even. Um, but she's right. like a very attractive younger, much younger woman that is younger than him by about fifty years. Um, there you well, are. there you go. There you go. This is it. Um, it. All right. Anyway, that's it. That's a a mishmash of funny observations from... uh, The last period of time. For for the last period of time for episode 44. 44. All the fours, 44. Very good. Yeah. All right. But February made me shiver with every paper... Uh, So... We move on to the E. E is for entertainment, and I have a few E's that I noticed uh, recently. One of them is the return of the show Better Call Saul. Um, I remember a previous E. We talked about Better Call Saul uh, probably a year and a half ago now, or maybe mm. longer, when it was when it was last on. And you were listening to a podcast after you watched each episode. Um, mm. After Saul, or something like that. Something <laughs> um, like that, yeah. Um, and you were like, have you ever done this? And I'd never really done that, but it sounded interesting. And it's the type of show where there's so much in it that um, it lends itself well to the small little details that you can kind of pour over after. But, so uh, I know where you... you're going with this. <laughs> so the it? new podcast from the feckin' Cheku. <laughs> feckin' after Saul. Uh, not quite, uh, no, no, sorry, go on, go on. I was going to say, did you watch any of the teaser trailers uh, for Better I Call Saul? I did. I saw the, the teaser on AMC, but it seemed to be mixed in with uh, teasers for other new shows that, that were coming is is did i write the uh, right, did they watch the right one no well there was there was one for the new season of television <laughs> from amc but there was all these other ones with really really small details being like excruciatingly um investigated by video bloggers on youtube and stuff and um just quite interesting i, I don't have a huge point to make about it it's just there's really really minuscule detail for example like um gus fring is going up to his house and it's number four 
423 uh, but people pointed out like that's not the number of his house from previous episodes and then that led people to speculate that it was the American way of dates where the month is first and the day is afterwards and they said it must be returning on the 23rd of April which would be 4 and 23 and that turned mm. out to be correct and all this type of stuff um, mm. but uh, it just made me look forward to the show firstly because it's been a couple of years since it was on secondly uh, doing what you did the last time listening to a podcast afterwards that goes into all the minute detail because I kind of want to savour it because I think it was one of the best mm. shows on telly and this is the confirmed last season as well um, it was yeah. brilliant yeah. Um, yeah I have a, a I guess a strange comment uh, to add about Better Call Saul uh, it kind of when it was on the last time it was one episode a week and it kind of tortured me and I was there was this fear that it was going to be gone and then it was yeah. going to be gone and it's not coming back then for another year or two or whatever it comes back so yeah. it's, it's almost like oh shit Shit, another one has watched. I know. Uh, <laughs> I wasted another I, one. Yeah, it was when I got into something like Breaking Bad. Like I got into it after there was about three or four series released, and Same. then you could watch them in a big binge type of thing. Same with Game yeah. of Thrones as well. Yeah, yeah. Same here for both of those shows. And nearly everything I've watched in the last few years has been like that. When it's on and it's popular, I'm just like, no, I'm not watching that. And then after it's kind of finished, or when it's in its its break between the second last and last seasons. I usually watch the entire thing. Um, yeah. yeah, so I'm just really looking forward to it. And yeah, I feel the same. It's like, I, I sometimes I feel like I've wasted the episode. Like when it, when it's finished, I feel like I didn't enjoy it enough. Yeah. Um, or, or like if you I didn't, didn't pay attention. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And it was all this little detail of all these people noticing like the different tiny little minuscule deta- details. They did three or so teaser trailers. One of them was those two twins, the bald-headed twins in their suits, walking up to what may or may have not have been Don Eladio's house. And they were put like freezing the frames and they were comparing it to previous images of Don Eladio's house. And then your man was like, well, why would they be walking up to Don Eladio's house? Where does that fall in the timeline? Don Eladio's only been in four episodes. Each of them is in a different decade. Will this be a different decade? Blah, blah, blah. And you're just going, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but like, it is that type of show and mm. it, it made me it made me it gave me that feeling that you've just described there as well it's like i wasted some of those episodes like i really didn't didn't enjoy them as much as I they should regrets. have been enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it made me think I'm, I'm, I'm gonna yeah exactly like and I, I should have been more analytical or something that is what i feel yeah like. you could have got more into it because it's such, such high quality is that what you mean like yes and there's so many yeah. little small little details in it that you only pick up on if you listen to other people talking about it or read you know after kind of analysis mm. like afterwards and stuff like that like like what people do after a football match actually where they all sit around all the pundits and they talk about the tactical you know aspect of the game and stuff like that and uh, like that's like just as relevant i think for television um and i'll be doing it next time with this definitely when it's yeah back. i'm gonna do that too definitely uh there's a very one percent of me who actually now is serious about doing that podcast because it sounds like fun yeah, listening to um, it rather than doing a new podcast about it. Doing a new podcast called Feckin' Checkin' After Saw. <laughs> um, anyway, it's back, I think, on the 23rd of April, and there's going to be two episodes on the first night. I'll be away in oh. America at the time. So, America. America. Going to yeah. America. I will, San Francisco yeah. again, yeah? No, 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 actually. Oh. Actually. <laughs> New York? New York? Nope. Oh, now, York one either. more guess. Can I have one more guess? Yeah. Right. Choose it wisely now. Be no, very I, careful I think, with this one. I think I know. <laughs> All right. All right. I know it's not Chicago. It's it's not anything on the American East Coast. It's not anything on the American West Coast. I know that. Okay, I'll say that you're right. Um, now, we have this whole Texas thing and we have this whole Nashville type of buzz that people go for. Now, I think you mentioned it to me before that there was some concert on 
but I'm going to guess, and it's not Nashville. It's definitely not Nashville. It's, it, it, I, I've got an inkling towards Arizona, but it's not Arizona, as I say that. <laughs> it's not Austin, Texas. It's not San Antonio, Texas. It's not Dallas, Texas. <laughs> oh, what is it? Like, ah. Uh, Houston, Texas. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. I pulled that out of the fire. Yes, yes, now, yes. Before before that, yeah, we're going to we're going to New Orleans, and we are going to Austin, Texas, as well. So, <laughs> okay. uh, but you did you did get it. That's the final destination is Houston, Texas. Okay. So well done. Okay. Thank you. Uh, anyway, let's not get a self indulgent holiday chat in <laughs> as well. But um, I'll okay, be away when yeah. when when Better Call Saul starts, and by the time I come back, I'll have three episodes to watch. So that should be uh, that'll be brilliant for you. Good. Yeah. Um, how, lo- how long is your holiday just very quickly um, uh, so the listener going, knows as well going from um, the 13th of April and back on the 26th so 26. just under just under two weeks wow amazing great mm. I suppose you're going with Elaine I am indeed yes Brilliant. and uh, a few okay. listeners will be attending this um, attending this, this festival as well so I'll get to meet some people in person for the first time uh, in Houston it's Texas. amazing yeah. That sounds amazing. Take loads of pictures and send them. I'm really curious to hear about like Texas and New Orleans and because like the, like less people go there than the, your standard New Yorks and your LA and your San Francisco and your Chicago's 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 yeah. Uh, Austin, oh. Texas is meant to be a really cool up and coming city at the moment. Yeah, but and yeah. we were going to do Nashville and all that other shite as well, but we shaved a load of places off because it was just too too expensive and messy to do loads mm. of internal flights. And we would have spent too much time in airports, I think, So, because uh, mm. there's a serious lack of a train, interconnected train system between states in the US, I found. Um, and if yes. you don't drive, you're fucked, kind of. Yeah, the train system is pretty bad, surprisingly, mm. between states, yeah. yeah. Okay, very good, very good, enjoy that. I was going to talk about Cobra Kai, but you haven't watched it. Um, I'll briefly touch on it, and just the, the very premise of it, this is another E, by the way, is um, that it was based on The Karate Kid, and it's the same actors reprising their roles from the 1984 and sequel films, um, and they're as adults now, and you get to see what they're what they've turned into as adults and how they go about their life, and they brought back loads of characters and in all cases they brought back the original actors and actresses which is brilliant i think because this would never happens um and i I just thought the premise other than the actual storyline of the show was really good and something i'd like to see more of uh, something that we saw with and just like that um entertainment kind of uh, uh properties being revived in a in a creative way and bringing back all the original people and doing something with it rather than just leaving it for dead. Yeah, it's a different take on it. Yeah, and as, as you said, it's creative and it, you get to know the characters in a completely different way rather than I, I compared to like Sex and the City. They're tr- it's just a continuation and they're trying to just be what they were when they were younger. But you could have a completely different take on that and maybe that would be more interesting. Yeah, and, and the beauty of it as well with, um, with Cobra Kai is 
the characters are from 1980s films where they're rather two-dimensional, uh, which people were in 1980s action films. But they've taken these characters and it's 35 years into the future and they've added layers and depth to them. And you don't know if they're the hero or the villain in a lot of cases. Um, you're rooting for, for example, Johnny Lawrence, who was the antagonist in the original Karate Kid, but he's kind of the protagonist in this, yet he still is flawed. And it's like, it's, it's a brilliant luxury for the creators the writers to be able to have to take these previously two-dimensional characters and add so many layers to them that is pretty cool yeah that is cool i'm gonna check that out i haven't got a chance to watch it but i will definitely check it out it's another one you can binge i binged all four seasons of it in the wait between season four and five uh, so season five has been filmed but not released yet um Do very it. bingeable okay Great. uh i'm just saying all these because i don't think you um have any ease uh no no ease <laughs> no because you have a child Ben. Yes. Um, so, speaking of old people coming back, uh, WrestleMania 38 is just around the corner next month. It's actually in Texas, I think, but I won't be I won't be there at the time. Um, and Stone Cold, it is in Texas, of course. Stone Cold Steve Austin, who is now 57 years old and hasn't wrestled a match since 2003, uh, 19 years ago, is now <laughs> returning, returning to the ring. I sent you on his his promo uh, that he did the other day i sent that on to you this morning uh to wrestle kevin owens in what's not really being advertised as a match per se but pretty much for all intents and purposes is going to be a violent confrontation between stone cold steve austin and a wrestler uh on the current roster at wrestlemania what do you think about that (laughs) (laughs) i think it's another case of vince mcmahon milking wrestlers until they every last drop is excretiated or whatever from them (laughs) Um, I don't know. I don't know what type of shape he's in. I'm worried for his health. Um, but I am looking forward to it, and I will definitely watch it. <laughs> that's that's a funny thing. Like that's that's kind of exactly how I feel. Uh, Hulk Hogan once said about Vince McMahon, his policy is ride the horse until it drops, shoot the horse, then eat the horse, which is very, very eloquent from somebody like him who talks an awful lot of shite. Um, and I think it's an original because I googled it, and I don't think it's it can be attributed to anybody else. Um, but that's what he does, and uh, he's apparently been trying to get Austin to return for years with loads of different. Uh, offers on the table stone cold has steadfastly said no every single time he had that like brilliant wrestling retirement that doesn't really exist he retired after a match with the rock at wrestlemania <laughs> um 19 wrestlemania 19 and now we're at wrestlemania 38 oh, it's, um it's gone isn't it <laughs> it's good yeah. his his brilliant retirement is gone and his uh his uh credibility as a kind of commentator recently maybe is hit a bit by this that's the thing now apparently he's in very good shape so people, eagle-eyed people on the internet, found some trace of him getting a custom-made wrestling ring and ordering it to his house in December of last year. So he's been working out in a wrestling ring, um, and he's been posting videos about his nutrition and his fitness and stuff on Instagram. So it seems like he's taken it mm. seriously, and I don't think he he would he wouldn't like he'd be, he'd be too proud not to take it seriously. I think, but also I'm thinking he's a multi multi millionaire. Even in residual royalties from WWE, he'd still be making loads of money. Uh, they've monetized him to death, like you said. Vince McMahon has milked. They've released every fucking variation of footage in compilations and documentaries and everything from that brief period when he was a wrestler in WWF. <laughs> <laughs> they've milked it to death. So he, he's making money from it. He has his own podcast. He does podcasts on the WWE Network or video podcasts, whatever you want to call them. He has reality TV shows. He's been an actor. He's done everything. Um and then, yet again, he's going to return to wrestling like they all have before him, like everybody, Shawn Michaels, uh, like The Undertaker did after his 
fucking beautiful uh, finishing like final match what we taught at the time where he put his hat and his gloves in the ring we talked about that on a previous mm. episode hugging his wife breaking character breaking the fourth wall blah 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 and, and like I'm 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 disappointed but we'll definitely watch it as well am I I'm, I'm like I'm part of the problem I think <laughs> well it's it's that nostalgia factor like so he was a character that we loved it's it's like if you bring back Walter White from Breaking Bad in 10 years for no reason or like bring out a <laughs> yeah. show that he suddenly sur- he somehow survived and yeah. he's alive and yeah but uh you know it'll be i i think um diamond dallas page ddp does his yoga and he's very fit in his late 50s and 60s so i wonder it'd be interesting to see what uh stone cold is like in his 50s he's about 55 is he 57 but like 57. nothing could possibly ever measure, measure up to like the last match he had with the rock like at wrestlemania when he was in his prime still uh hmm. it just it makes you wonder like why did he say yes to this and like you know, it's in Texas. In fairness, and I'd say Vince probably begged him because they're doing two nights of WrestleMania in a hundred thousand seater, so they basically need to sell two hundred thousand tickets, which is way bigger than the biggest WrestleMania ever in the past mm. by twice the size. I guess. I guess it's not for the money. I guess it's like if you are fifty-seven and you think to yourself, "Geez, I'm pretty fit now, and I haven't done this in nineteen years." Yeah, and you think just for my own a bit of entertainment, I might just do this. <laughs> I know, but it's funny, like, but he said no to everything up until, like, now. Like, and, and like, he's yeah. been fit for years. He said openly that he could easily wrestle a match if he wanted. He's been saying that for about 10 years. Um, mm. After previously saying stuff like that he was finished or he'll never go back, he's been kind of hinting at the fact that he could if he wanted to, but he doesn't want to. And now mm. he's just, like, he's, like, and this was then just a rumor a while ago, but he's confirmed it with that video. Um, I just think it's, ma- like, what made him say yes this time? Do you think, like, people just have a, a certain level of, you can only say no so many times before you just fucking say yes. <laughs> well, it's just I guess the the more time more times it passes, the less opportunity that comes. Like so, he's probably like, right, I'm fifty seven. My health will probably deteriorate in five years or ten years, and I, it doesn't matter how fit I am. I'll I'll just be old. And I like he's probably seen so many of the other wrestlers just doing it. He probably got on the phone to Mark Calloway and yeah. uh, Shawn Michaels and. And all them, and they probably said, "Go on, do it." Uh, <laughs> well, Michaels so. regretted going back, so he went back in 2018 after ten and a half years away, and yeah. he had some shite hawk oh, match in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> that was awful. ridiculous. He looked terrible. Oh, it was, that yeah, was, and he looked ancient as well, which is it's like yeah. Austin has that going for him. He still kind of looks the same as he did 20 years ago, like just, uh, maybe a, a, a slightly heavier wrinkle on and his face, his, like. and as well, his style might might work. Like it's just the brawling style. Might work. Although, remember yeah. uh, that movie... Uh, sorry for saying movie uh, again. You know Robert De Niro in that film a few years ago? <laughs> oh, yeah. that one? <laughs> what was it? What was it called? The, um, Scorsese, I Heard You Paint Fences. Uh, I've Heard You Paint Houses. Oh, what the fuck was it? Um, the Irishman. The Irishman, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that scene where he punches... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's, he's like, I'm an old man punching someone. Or he's and trying he's to just... kick a guy when he's on the ground. He's like yeah. reprising his Goodfellas scene, which is like one of the best scenes ever. And he's like doing it at about a quarter of the speed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was terrible. Um, so, but it depends what Stone Cold does. If it's a once-off thing and he just gets out of there, he might like not tarnish his legacy. But if he sticks around for a while and loses the run of himself, then... 
But they yeah. they always stick around. Like uh, Michaels is probably the yeah. only person who who hasn't stuck around after coming back. But like I don't know if you're keeping up with it. Probably not. But like Sting, who was used to be in WCW, was in WWE for a while and then retired, is now wrestling in AEW, and he's 62. And in fairness, he's wrestling quite well, and it's been a huge surprise to everybody. Like watching, mm. going, Jesus Christ, he actually looks competent, and he's not like he doesn't look like an old bastard. Um, so yeah. I'd say maybe that could have been part of it as well. Maybe it's a different conceptualization of age at the moment, like or it's just in the world like that people in their 50s are really healthy now they're and they mm. can move around and they can run and jog i play football for example with people in their 50s and and they're really really fit a lot of them so yeah 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 yeah. it's yeah. not like our dads when they were in their 50s when they might as well have been 75 yeah because yeah, of what 75 kind of... for for 20 years like <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is different yeah. no, that's true 50 is, is not the be all and end all or sorry i don't mean to say that actually it's not like it's not the end of your life anymore like you could be very healthy as you said and mm. and, and, and flexible and it's like, uh, what's the tom brady you know the, the uh, great, greatest american football player of all time who just retired this year he won like uh, i think it was maybe six super bowls he was a quarterback for the new england patriots and then the tampa bay buccaneers i think but he he retired at the right. age age something like 46 i think yeah and like he was at the top of the top of his game and in his well into his forties. Yeah. Um, what's like I think wrestlers now peak around their forties. But what's funny, like to give you an example of Sting, he came back to wrestling. He was in TNA in two thousand and six, and he was forty six at the time. And I remember thinking he was ancient back in two thousand and six. And this was the like what was being brought up on promos. Like Jeff Jarrett was the big heel at the time. He's like Sting. This is two thousand and six. You're past it. And I think this is one of the first times the audience chanted, "You still got it." Actually, it's the first time I remember that chant, the patronizing mm. chant that they chant to wrestlers who are kind of a bit past it. And I remember yeah. Sting this whole thing going, "You still got it." And I was like, "Yeah, but he's ancient though." And that was sixteen <laughs> years ago. <laughs> And in fairness, yeah. he does. He does still have it now, and he's sixty-two, which is just mad. Like, but um, back then it was a novelty, and it was cool that like people were still hanging around. But now it's it's lost all of its kind of lore. Yeah. Uh, just a quick fact uh, correction: there, Tom Brady is actually forty-four years okay. old, not forty-six. Not a huge difference, really, but um, yeah, it seems young enough to be retiring in, in the modern era. Speaking of that, let's move on again. All of these E's are kind of linked together. What yeah. did you make of the Super Bowl halftime show, which featured, for, I think for the first time ever, uh, rappers rather than like some old rock band? Still waters run deep. Still Snoop Dogg and D.I. Nah, nah, nigga. Guess who's back? Steve. Still doing that shit, Andre? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Check me out. Yeah, like so that was a it's again it's kind of a case of like the older crowd um still hanging around but it's un, it was unusual to see a lot of rappers uh, at the halftime show. 
Well, it was one of those uh, rare events that I was actually taken aback by it because I thought it was so good. It's one of those things that I had to watch a couple of times in a row because I was like, this is amazing. Mm. And it was it was like one of those Vince McMahon WrestleMania things, but all of the superstars from yeah. the early 90s and, and, and late 90s and early 2000s, sorry, uh, they're all back on stage and the amount of charisma was just, unbelievable like it was just and these they're doing all their hits and this it was kind of emotional it was like this is their last stand this is their goodbye almost yeah <laughs> even though it wasn't they they hadn't like said it was but it felt like that it was like this is the end like this era actually ended about 10 years ago but they're back and they're like destroying the, the set it was so good like brilliant yeah like. Yeah, I thought it was really good as well. Like, and I'd be quite familiar, obviously, with Eminem, but also with Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and all, because like that was the maybe about as deep as I ever got into hip hop was just knowing a few of their songs, really. Um, but they were really popular back in two thousand ninety nine, ninety eight. Uh, that Dr. Dre album, two thousand and one was fucking huge absolutely mm. huge like uh, and yeah it, it was kind of like the goodbye to that era wasn't it which yeah is kind of finished like uh, eminem yeah well he's i think we talked about him a few times what his raps are still really good like he's not really relevant anymore at all yeah well well he's, st- he's still quite popular but i i think it's i i just want to make the link to the wrestling in that like from that era the late 90s early 2000s around that time uh, the amount of charisma in the entertainers is unbelievable and I think that's why we keep going back to these things because you could put on like five or six of the most popular rappers today or five five or six of the most uh, popular rock bands today like yeah. new new ones and they just wouldn't have the same charisma at all I mean they'd be yeah. good and they'd be competent and they do like technically very good set but the, it's just you can't match that like uh X factor that those people have, like no, from that era. And I, I agree with you. And I listen, like I'm always chasing kind of newer bands and trying to find, you know, the next good brilliant band or whatever, but like they're not characters. Like that's why people still go to mm, see Guns N' Roses. Is a good way to say it. Yeah. It's like Slash wearing his top hat, Axel Rose, who's now sixty, but people are still going to see them. Axel Rose can't sing anymore. Um they haven't released any new music, but like people are like like their their tours are like the biggest fucking grossing tours in the world. Um mm. I was, I was, and on, on, on that note, and as well, just to finish off the E here, which has been a lot of different stuff that's kind of. But they're linked. all linked together, yeah, yeah. nicely. Paul McCartney yeah. was announced a couple of days ago as the headliner for Glastonbury. Paul headliner. McCartney, Paul, guess Jesus. how old he will be when he plays Glastonbury uh, this summer? Well, I have it written down in front of me, but let the listener guess <laughs> right, silently okay. to themselves. So, guess, listener. <laughs> Paul McCartney. No, that's wrong, be, listener. Sorry. No. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Paul McCartney will be 80. 80 years old when he plays 80. Glastonbury. 80. <laughs> this is really stretching our, our thesis of old age and performance in old age yeah. and being completely fine. 80. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, I'm doing a thing at the moment. It hasn't been released on a broad scale, but I'm doing a series of episodes with Mick Wall uh, for his podcast. Oh, cool. Congratulations. So, that's that's amazing. Cheers, yeah. Dude. It's only on his Patreon at the moment. I actually have to edit the episode and put it up on Spotify for him or get, get, give him the edited version so he can put it up on Spotify. Uh, but... um. The, the theme is called uh, what is the sell-by date of the past and it's basically about uh, society forcing um, old musicians on us forever and old music on us forever and <laughs> is that ever going to change and this is one of the points we talked about um, mm. but he was basically saying Paul McCartney is playing Glastonbury at 80 because he has the songs and nobody else really does and it's kind of mm. true as well those Beatles songs are like the best known songs in the world and yes he is 80 but like who else could you put up there where they could play 40 songs and everyone would know all of them? 
<laughs> mm, that's true. And and like with videos and, and audio, the like like for example the Beatles documentary brought back to life the like what it was like what the Beatles were around to a whole new generation of people. Um and, and that that's like there's much much more longevity i think these days because of the archive footage that's out there yeah and it's so much better like if you compare like like they're just hits after hits from from mccartney now his performance obviously would be very limited but again it's like compare him to i don't know a new band i couldn't even name a band but uh, yeah i don't know imagine dragons or imagine dragons or the 1975 or something like that i don't know <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking pride in not knowing. We're at that stage yeah. now. But yeah, yeah, 80 years of age, she's going to be headlining Glastonbury. But I do have one question, though, because we're in our mid-30s. I would wonder what do people who are like 18 or 23 think of this? Do they also say, oh, yeah, it makes sense that McCartney's the headline, headline of Glastonbury? Because yeah. when we were going up, it would have been the current like zeitgeist that yeah. would have been at the top and things like oasis for example yeah, yeah, yeah. that was very that, current and, and even robbie williams and the spice yeah. girls yeah, yeah yeah that's true but like that's what i said to mick uh the first slain castle event i ever went to which you were at as well the headliners were the stereophonics that's only 20 years ago yeah and uh, underneath that was nickelback again a current band underneath them were the doves again a current band at the time and i was asking him when did he see this changing uh where nostalgia was now headlining everything because the last couple of slains i went to was metallica and guns and roses and they're obviously they had their peak in the uh, early 90s which is 30 years ago <laughs> you know mm. um yeah. so it changed sometime in the last 20 years go for it i have, yeah, I have a theory on this that just came to me now it's not really a, a fully formed theory but my personal experience was i got into some rock bands or indie bands more accurately uh, when I was like in my mid-teens um, so I'd liked you started off with Oasis and Blur and then after them the, a, a kind of new way newer wave came on like the Stereophonics and Travis and uh, Moby and all that shit as well Streets and yeah. but but then after a couple of years later there was a new batch like another like a year later there was a new batch of bands that came on really quickly yeah. that we were supposed to like and then the next year there was another new batch and then there yeah, was yeah, another yeah. new batch yeah. and I, I, I couldn't keep up because like I could keep up with the pace up until about 1997 mm. and but then i think maybe the internet just made it the availability of the new bands all the time too much that you can't actually form a long-term band long-term bond sorry but all of these bands that are coming through i think it was the something like the killers and yeah. that's what Block around Party, that time the kooks uh yeah they were kind of less less attached to them and then after then there was another batch that came after them and i was like yeah. geez i just can't arctic monkeys yeah yeah, yeah, and then I was like, I can't even engage with these new people, mm. uh, these new bands. That that was just my own experience. I just that's, think there was too much new shit coming through. Yeah, that's true, and it's, it's a very good point as well. I, I lost track of those bands after about the third wave of that, like uh, around 2005, I'd say, when it was like mm. Razor Light and The Kooks and Arctic Monkeys and all that. I was kind of like, right, that's my lot now. Um, I've stopped caring about current music yeah <laughs> yeah and i wonder is it was it the way music was distributed maybe back in the 1990s it was true record labels so they would like limit the amount of people who could potentially become popular because they'd only give record deals to a certain amount of people so you're you're, you're already being filtered through the record labels and the distribution systems that they yeah. had yeah so it was easier to to kind of kick keep up what like there was only like one or two new bands a year that you had to check out or 
there was, and at the same time, there's that seemed to be accompanied by lots of breakthroughs in the in the nineties and two, early two thousands. And for example, with rap music, I think rock music was becoming uh, less innovative then, but but rap was was sort of coming through. Yeah, uh, yeah. Then, but but you could change. You could say that for the the seventies and eighties was an incredible innovation, but also a limitation on the amount of uh, artists that people were exposed to, which was probably helpful in a way. Yeah, true, and that like exactly so. Um, you were almost you, you had it easier as a as a fan or as a listener because it had been groomed and filtered by someone else for you. You didn't exactly. have to do that yourself, and now you do, and that may, maybe makes people take comfort in the likes of Paul McCartney, where everyone, even if you never wanted to know all the Beatles songs, you do. So tough shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's already been chosen, but yeah. isn't that it's not the way it used to be? Like even watching that Kanye West. Uh, documentary he was fighting like in the i think it's the again the late 90s to or sorry the early 2000s in his case to be chosen by the the record label and to be chosen he had to beat off loads of competition and he had to make his own way and he had to be charismatic and he had to have his usp to mm. get the chance to be presented to the fans yeah um now it's just directly to the fans and you just you you just no fil- filtering and you just can't it's just overwhelming yeah um, yeah it's true and it is and i find that myself uh day to day just trying to keep up with music now um anyway okay right so yes. we're gonna we're gonna take a little musical interlude here and we'll move on to the sea for to it. i guess every superhero need his thing music no one man should have all that power the clock's ticking i just count the hours stop tripping i'm tripping off the power Broken, the schools closed, the prisons open. We ain't got nothing to lose, motherfucker. We rolling, huh? Motherfucker, we rolling with some light skinned girls and some heavy rollers. And this white man world, we the ones chosen. So good night, cool world. I see you in the morning, huh? I see you in the morning. This is way too much. I need a moment. No one man should have. Right, okay. Um, right, so we're back and we are on to the sea for culture. This one again was something that happened to me recently, but not on a bus or a train, you'll be pleased to learn, but in <laughs> the form of a lease agreement with my letting agent who has been renting me this apartment uh, or acting as the go-between between my landlord and I for the last six years. And uh, I noticed recently in... So in Dublin and Ireland, there are... Um, it's part of what's called a rent pressure zone. So up until recently, uh, for a, for the last few years, your rent could only increase by a maximum of 4% per year if you're in a rent pressure zone. And now for this year, that's been decreased to 2%. So when my uh, lease rolled around for renewal, uh, they could the landlord could only put it up 2%. They applied their 2% increase, but they over-calculated by 29 cents. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> They rounded it up, basically. And there was no reason for them to round it up because I do my own calculation on a calculator when this happens every year, just to make sure. And I I got them once before as well, just give me the incorrect figure. um, And they had to decrease it. But I had signed the lease this time, uh, just trusting them that they'd done their job properly uh, because they are by the book to the letter of the law and they are quite pleasant to deal with for the most part. But um, on this occasion, I, I noticed that they'd increased it um, by uh, slightly over 2%, adding an extra 29 cent a month. And I was thinking to myself, what is the cutoff for pedantry when it comes to your finances? <laughs> <laughs> so, for example, I would not have contacted them had they 
rounded it up by one cent. I probably That's wouldn't have. Enough. I probably wouldn't have had it been two cent or three cent or nine cent, maybe even ten cent. I don't know. But at some point in that, there's a cutoff, and it's like, hold on a second. They're having. They're making a fool of me. This is outrageous. <laughs> yeah, twenty nine cent. And I was thinking to myself, like, what, what would your, would you have contacted them? I know, actually, you, you, you are still renting at the moment. So, like, yes. if that happened to you, what would you have done there? Or would you have done the calculation well, yourself? Um, that's an interesting one, because what would my, how would I work out my cutoff point? I think with 29 cent, I might just leave it. I might just go, oh, that's weird, 29 cent. But then how would I, how okay, would but let's I say cross it was, that barrier when I'm irked? Let's say it was 15 euro. No, no, 15 euro, definitely say something. So somewhere so between, I, the gulf between 29 cents and 15 euro is your cutoff well, point. 15, yeah, but I think 5 euro, I would say something. I 4 euro 98? 4.98 <laughs> a month, that might be a point of Guinness in a pub in the country. 4.98. I think when it's getting into 4 euros, when I can start to visualize the coins, the 2 euro, <laughs> two, 2 euro coins. Four euro, three and you're, euro. You're, you could get a golden crisp two at a train euro station. Is a bit too, yeah, <laughs> you certainly could. Uh, two euro. I'm starting to get a bit annoyed with two euro. One euro. I still think I'm annoyed with one euro, uh, but maybe wouldn't say anything. And I think my, based on this analysis, my cutoff point would be something like 63 cent. <laughs> okay. I would All just right, leave so- it. The funny thing is that we, we all have one. Now, whether it would be €100 Euro or whether it would be €0.29, cent, we all have one. And I, and I was thinking to myself, am I being petty? Am I being the ultimate pedant here and contacting them about this? But I was thinking, no, because why should they get to keep that money that is not theirs and they're not entitled to legally or in any other way? Um, that they've always increased the rent by the maximum allowed. There's no obligation mm. on them to increase the rent. Inflation hasn't increased 4% in the previous years, as we've discussed on a different podcast. They've um, stolen your money, basically. And in this case, now they're just creating reasons to take more money from me. <laughs> and the, the, the person who I spoke to said to me that they did the calculation online on the rent pressure zone calculator, and they, they hid behind that. And I said, fair enough, but I did it using a calculator of my own, and basic arithmetic <laughs> skills. And this yeah. is the answer, not what you've said. Exactly. <laughs> in fairness, the rent pressure zone calculator, which is available online, a tool to be used by letting agents, renters and landlords, does round up. So keep that in mind, anyone who's paying rent in rent pressure zone in Ireland. Um, but even still, that's no excuse. Ignorance is no excuse. Uh, I wouldn't yes. trust. I wouldn't just trust that. And I was like, and I was like, last year you didn't round it up, but this year you are. What's changed? And I was like, point me towards the piece of legislation that's changed that shows that you're allowed to round up. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll drop the matter. (laughs) So you're getting into this with them. Have they replied yet? They have. They, she, okay. the, the girl I was speaking to just kept hiding behind the rent pressure zone calculator. Oh, and I said, Jesus. And I'd already signed the lease and so had Maya, my housemate. So I said, look, I'm not going to fall out with you about it. But just to make you, you aware... I did notice it. And I just want them to know that I noticed it because it makes them less likely. And your one was like, look, please don't think that we are deliberately trying to increase the rent or rounding up in our favor. We're not. It was a a human error. And at at that point, I accepted it because the RPZ calculator did do that for them. And previously, it didn't used to do that. But it still irked me. uh, Mm. And I was like, this is... Yeah. But I dropped it. So basically, I'm paying over the odds. (laughs) You're paying 20... You're paying... They're ripping you off for that 29 cent... But yeah, yeah, 
They admitted they were wrong. Here is just a, a random. Uh, no apology, so, though. No, no, apo- no apology. Interesting. No apology. No, the word oh. sorry wasn't mentioned. Oh, mm. that would irk me. Mm. Uh, because that can really diffuse anger if someone just says sorry. If they don't say sorry and hide behind all this nonsense, yeah. it just makes you more angry. You just say sorry. Just admit that you were wrong. It's fine. Yeah. It's only mm. 29 cent. Uh, but uh, if someone came into your house and there was a house party and you had a certain amount of change left on your table, your, your dining room table, <laughs> how much of that change being stolen? And that's how you knew who stole it. <laughs> To what extent, when would you confront them and when would you leave it go? Um, I would, wouldn't mind as much in that case, and I don't know why, I can't explain why, but as you were saying it, I was thinking, ah, somebody might have just needed some change or something. Um, when, it got, when it gets into notes territory, if somebody took loose coins, fair enough. But four like euro. If somebody took four, four euro. Two, two euro coins on your dining room table. And somebody you've, them, them. You've, you've them set aside to go on one of your many bus and train journeys <laughs> and uh, yeah somebody took them at a party there was five people over at a party and you have a very good idea of who took it yeah I, I suppose I would be a bit annoyed I'd be miffed I'd be yes. a bit miffed slightly miffed but Before I wouldn't say it to them I don't think if, if notes were involved if paper money was taken that would be a different yeah. thing that is a, that is a different thing Okay, uh, yeah. It is to put different. paper money into your wallet that's not yours. Like you could grab some change. You know, we've all done that uh, from bedside tables of one night stands. But uh, you <laughs> could. Uh, <laughs> right? You've history with this? <laughs> no, somebody else in our group does. Oh, right. You can guess privately to yourself. But I think I remember exactly him telling us this. Yes. He doesn't <laughs> listen to this podcast anyway. So. No, he doesn't. He, he dropped off in episode <laughs> two, I'd say. Um, but anyway, yes. Yeah, so uh, we've all t- robbed change. I've robbed change over the years from my family for, for years. <laughs> I used to rob yeah. change. <laughs> used to steal change from under my brother's mattress. Oh yeah, I did time. that too. Definitely did that. But, but yeah, notes. Notes is different. Notes is kind of mm. that's intent. That's intent. Let's grab. Yeah, there was always this line that was crossed when you heard of people stealing from their mother's purse. <laughs> <laughs> it was some 20, evil kids who used to do that. She took a five pound note from her mother's purse. She's like, oh, oh <laughs> yeah. the villainy of it all. Yeah. This guy's going to be a serial killer. Uh, but if, if, if I was to answer that question, I would be irked if someone took a two euro coin or a one euro coin even. Right, if it was okay. two two cent coins and a five cent coin, some brass shite, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> They'd be Copper. doing me a favour. <laughs> <laughs> they would, actually. I have a whole tin of that shit beside my bed. Which is tripe. <laughs> I have a tin of that shite beside my bed that's absolutely worthless and I never use it. Did you ever just throw it in the bin? The bin. I know we're not supposed to. Did you ever have like a one cent coin or a two cent coin? And you're like, oh, jeez, I don't know what to do with this. I'm going to throw this in the bin. <laughs> no, I've never thrown money in the bin. And it feels so wrong and there's all this, yeah, and I'll be cancelled for that somehow. But that's what I do, listeners. Um, yeah. What? I, I don't always do it, but but I, I have done it. The first time I felt a lot of guilt, but then the second time, and the third time, and so on, I didn't feel guilty anymore. No, that's terrible. It sounds awful. Um, the yeah, third time, I cut up a 50-year-old note. Deserve to be uh, cancelled, I suppose, uh, for that. Well, that's, that's you, Don McLean, and the vending machine stockists of Dublin train stations are going to be cancelled. Yes. Me, after this. 
Uh, all right. Okay. <laughs> and on that note, um, I will move on to the final section of the feckin' check-in, which is K for Kernels of Truth. Oh, well, you didn't mention uh, the NFTs there. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. NFTs. I forgot. NFTs. Uh, I was going to ask you. Yeah, because, you, because you're quite um, involved with cryptocurrency and quite interested in it and previous episodes of the feckin' check-in were, were dedicated to Bitcoin <clears throat> experts and... Uh, we've talked about it a lot. I was wondering That's what your justification. There. I was wondering what your opinion <laughs> on NFTs is uh, because they are getting torn apart. It seems in mainstream media has well, been an absolute waste of money. Well, well um, the the thing about NFTs is, uh, I think anyone who has played video games might have a kind of a understanding. You know, when you you complete a quest in a video game and you get like certain badges or like rewards and things like that mm. so 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 sometimes things that are digital first of all that don't have any real value sometimes because they're hard to get they can have a value within the individual yeah um, and it's the same with it's the same principle as um swapping premier league stickers when we were in school like the it the va- there is no real value in those stickers but it's the value that we put into the the stickers like what i mean is like mm. there were certain types of stickers that the were fleckies. perceived the fleckies yeah manchester united as, fleck yeah so everyone agreed uh, they didn't sit down and agree but there was a general agreement that fleckies or i remember i was screwed out of uh, a flecky and <laughs> i was screwed out of for example i was told afterwards that gigs legs because there was a two-part sticker of ryan gigs um the right. uh, Later, he went on to be a wife beater in later years. But <laughs> back back then, uh, his a two part sticker of him and Gig's legs. I gave away. For, I was tricked into giving it to some random uh, footballer with a mustache, and I was laughed at afterward by uh, Philly Balbert, probably. Yeah, yeah, someone like that. Oh, you gave him Gig's legs, <laughs> and then I felt worse as a human being because I didn't have this thing that was now uh, perceived as valuable. Um, in the community so going back to nfts obviously like you could look at it and say these things have no value and it's silly and ridiculous but some people do value having the only um the only uh, thing what am i trying to say the only do you know what i'm uh, trying to say the, the, the only one in thing. existence the only, yes that's yeah. the yeah the only one in existence and they feel a sense of pride and etc and they like you can think of collectors who want the only one of a thing in existence. Yeah, NFTs is kind of like a digital manifestation of that. And for me, it's not so much of a, a jump from lots of the other things that we what that we perceive as valuable that actually are, are that's not a, valuable. That's a really good point about the, the, the Premier League stickers because on its surface, it's a piece of card with a sticker on it, so it's of absolutely no value. A uh, level mm. up from that, it costs you thirty p to buy six stickers, so really its value is maybe five pence at the time in punt. And hmm. a level up from that, the scarcity might add some value to it. But that's where we start actually creating fictitious value of something yes. uh, that's not real. Yes, exactly. So there's no real inherent value in an NFT, but but it's the scarcity uh, has been artificially created, I suppose. Mm. And, and people, some people value that and lots of people don't value that. I personally would never buy an NFT because... I don't value that. Yeah. And I, I, I also wouldn't speculate on an NFT. So I wouldn't buy one and then try and sell it in five years time because I have no idea mm. how valuable they will be. So so they can be quite risky if people are trading in them and stuff. So there's yeah. kind of a, I don't know what your opinion on it is. but 
I don't know too much about it, which is why I wanted to get yours. To me, it seems worthless and a waste of money. But like at the same time, mm. you've made it more tangible now, and I can understand why people uh, apply a, a value to something that theoretically doesn't have any. It does, the same could be said of, of vinyl collectors, even. Um, yeah, people want all of the singles from bands that never released an album. They only had one release, like a single, and it was in mm. the 1970s, and there was only 500 made. For some reason, they can fetch 500 euro. <laughs> you know, yeah. like a, a thousand euro. Yeah. A thousand euro. It probably cost a pound when it was released. Yeah. Or two pounds. We want, we want the treasure as human beings for yeah. some reason. But people have also often uh, kind of sneered at NFTs and said... Uh, well, I could copy that picture of the NFT and have that on my computer. I can just go on the internet and download it. Mm. But you can do that with art as well, like pictures and paintings. Like you could have a complete knockoff painting and looks exactly the same, the same material or music, or same print. Yeah. But that's not as valuable as the original. And that maybe is illogical. I don't know. But um, I guess the difference here is that the scarcity has been created by a computer or algorithm or something that we don't understand. But the end result is still the same scarcity. But I think it's maybe a cynical scare, a cynicism about the scarcity. For example, the band releasing that single in the 1970s might have thought they were going to get a record deal. Certainly didn't create their vinyl yes. album or single to make money in 45 years' time based on the scarcity of the number of yeah. copies that were created. Whereas NFTs yes. seem to have been created for that sole purpose. Yes, so yes, exactly. And I think the, the traditional scarce things have a story maybe tied up in them and you can imagine the artist creating them there's a lot more meaning in them you can like you, you feel a connection to the artist that type of thing so all of that has been artificially created and so while the scarcity is the same the creation of it is completely different and that's the new thing and i can, I, I would never buy one i don't see the, the point of them but i can still at the same time see why other people would see them as valuable like collectors and stuff and people who want to have the one of this thing yeah yeah um, i suppose i, I think it's, such a it's too much of a leap for people when it's digital i think and that's where people yeah. fall off um yeah exactly. and that's where i fall off as well i'm like a fucking uh, a, like a computer generated image like ozzy osbourne is hawking these things and he's filmed this, an ad for them and i'm like you don't even know what this is you fucking cunt like you've no idea what you're even <laughs> selling like i mean there's 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 johnny rotten from the sex pistols selling i can't believe it's not butter but then there's like at least he knows what he's fucking selling but it's fucking yeah. ozzy osbourne selling an nft i'm just like ah here come on <laughs> yeah there's a lot of cynical well too much and we don't know in five years or ten years will they still be around it's still very new and people are speculating and making money off them and stuff but i guess the principle of it is is understandable to me but i i personally wouldn't be interested in them that's very good okay nicely summarized there um so we'll move on to the k which is the kernel of truth but to be honest i don't have one do you (laughs) no i have no k this is really a kernel about how difficult it is to come up with kernels. <laughs> the <laughs> only kernel that I can think of now is kernel mustard in the kitchen. Uh, name three kernels. Uh, kernel Sanders. Uh, yeah. Kernel Tom Parker, who was Elvis Presley's manager. Um, and Colonel... Uh, Colonel, Colonel... I had another one in my head there. Fuck me. I do have another kernel. I know another kernel. <laughs> Oh, oh, Colonel, Colonel, uh, was there a Custer's last stand or something? Was he a Colonel? <laughs> On the stage where Custer stood, making... Colonel Custer, I'm going to say. He was a, a war 
Colonel Perth. Custard sounds like Custard, C-U-S-T-E-R. Um, Custer's last stand. Look that up there. It was like part of the Civil War, American Civil War. Uh, I don't know if he was Colonel's, a Colonel. Uh, uh, Colonel Harnold Harnold Sanders of KFC. Uh, Colonel Tom Parker, Elvis Presley's manager. So you were correct. Edward M. House, known as Colonel House, a Texas honorary colonel and advisor to President Woodrow Wilson. Um, but who was the one? What you wanted Colonel, me to say? George, George Armstrong Custer was a United States Army officer and cavalry commander in the American Civil War. Was he a mm. colonel? God damn it. Lieutenant colonel. Yes, he was a fucking colonel. He was a colonel. There you go. There's your colonel. Colonel George Armstrong Custer. Custer's last Let's do a quote from George Armstrong Custer. George Armstrong Custard. Custer. Custer, Custer, C-U-S-T-U-R. The army is the Indian's best friend. <laughs> I'm not going to use that one. I, I would, would be, be willing. willing. Yes, glad Sorry, to see a on. battle every day during my life. Ah, said the doctor in his most complacent manner. Here is an opportunity I have long been waiting for. Yeah, what? a lot of these are quite racist and they refer to Native Americans as yeah. Indians. So, <laughs> so he has been cancelled. George Armstrong Custer has been cancelled. Add him to the list. There's your kernel of truth for the last period of time. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll have one next month or whenever we do another one. But um, sometimes it's it, sometimes it's best not to just shoehorn in a kernel. Yeah, because <laughs> then you then typing. you end up with custard on your face. <laughs> exactly in the kitchen. Mm. Oh, oh my god. All right. Right. Well, that was a very enjoyable feckin' checkin'. Uh, feckin' checkin'. Feckin' checkin'. Protection. Protection. Both of them all double. Okay. <laughs> all right. A bit of excess energy there. Um, yes, it was a pleasure to uh, reconnect you. Am I being sincere? Am I being genuine? I don't know anymore. I don't know what type of mode I'm in of method acting anymore. I've lost myself in this whole thing. So I'm going to hand it back to you to conclude for episode 44. Yeah, episode 44 in the bag. Uh, I really enjoyed that one myself. I am being genuine in a podcasty way, though, as well, in a hosty way. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I don't know if I'm being genuine either. Actually, that's a good one. Um, all right, we're gonna, acting again. Yeah. That's going to do it for this episode of the Feck and Checkin. Any final words for the listener? To me, Feck off, listener.